Welcome to the Juggling Without Balls podcast. My name is Monica Parkin and I am your host. And every week on the show, I'm going to be talking to powerful, successful women who juggle it all. And when I say juggle it all, I mean everything. Kids, health, aged parents, careers, relationships, you name it, we're going to talk about it. So stick around, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a seat and enjoy the show. Hello, jugglers, and welcome to episode nine. Today, my guest is Super Sue Finneran. Sue has been working in the automotive industry for over 30 years, and her career highlight was receiving the coveted President's Award of Merit from Hyundai for the number one Hyundai dealership in Canada for 2015. She now works with the Automotive Business School of Canada, teaching dealership management. Not only is she a past president of many Comox Valley clubs and community groups, but she was also recognized as one of the top 100 citizens of the century in the Comox Valley. I'm really excited to talk to her today to hear about her journey and whatever little bits of wisdom she wants to share with us. Welcome, Sue. I'm thrilled to be here. It's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's fabulous. I'm wondering now, I've just told them a little bit about you in your intro, but can you tell us a little bit about what maybe sparked your decision to decide to go into the automotive industry? Because it's an industry you've been in for as long as I've known you. And I'm just wondering if you could give us a little bit of background on, on what led you there. Yeah, I'm in my business known what's called as a P or I was. I'm a PhD and that stands for Papa has a dealership. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I can remember from when I was a little kid and I would sit with my dad at the dining room table and I would help him order cars. And when I was 10, he bought the dealership here in Courtney. We were living in Nanaimo. And I said to him when I was 10 years old, I said, I'm going to run that store one day. And I think he patted me on the head and said, yeah, whatever. But that's what I did. I went to the Automotive Business School of Canada in Barrie, Ontario, and then on to Northwood Institute. And it's an automotive, it's a marketing management kind of degree with an automotive background to it. Yeah, awesome. And I love that you knew that from such an early age. That's so cool because some people do. Some people just know at a certain age, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to do it. And other people, they go back and forth and I'll try this. And there's no right path to your career. But I just love when I hear those stories of people that just knew this is what I want to do. And then you just followed it through and did it. That's just fabulous. It's been a great career and it's still a great career and I still love the business. So Yeah. Yeah. You said that it's been a great career, but it sounds like you're morphed into a new career. So you used to be at the dealership and now you are teaching automotive business. What is the term? Is it automotive business yeah, school? Is it's, that what called, it is? Uh, it's called dealership management. And the program that I help teach is for people that are already working in the industry and they want to up their game. So they want maybe they're a sales manager or a service manager and they want to become a general manager. Many of the manufacturers around the country now require that you have either our course from Canada or there's also a US version before they'll allow you to be a general manager of a store. Okay, so they've got a basic skill set and they're basically just adding pieces onto, you know, their wardrobe so to speak, their career wardrobe. They're just <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, oh, I'm going to add a suit and tie now. But so you're adding skill sets. So what kind of things are you teaching them or what are the skills? I I assume because your background clearly is strong in marketing. I assume that's one of them. But tell me a little bit about what the program is about. 
So actually, marketing is not uh, really, we don't see much on marketing. There are seven different courses that are part of the certificate program. And I, at the moment, am teaching two of them. One is dealership management, and that actually gets into law and uh, dealer sales and service agreements. It gets into working with your manufacturer. It talks about employee engagement. It talks about your mission, vision, and value statements. So like an overall of running a dealership. Okay. And then the other course... Yeah, big picture. And then the other course I teach is new and used management. And that is actually uh, managing the new and used car departments within the store. And so there we get into things such as inventory, job descriptions, accounting, like actual management of the financials, etc. Yeah. And did this fall in your lap? Is it something you'd wanted to do? I love it when people reinvent <laughs> themselves in the middle of their life. Like you're in the same industry, but it's a completely different role. Yeah. So back in 2017, my dad and I were running the store together. We'd gone from having a General Motors store and we moved over to Hyundai. And I'd relearned a different brand because domestic to an import is a totally different game. And I had to relearn everything. 2017, I wasn't really having fun. I'm going to interject because I bought my first car there that was a a GM truck. And then (laughs) when it came time to upgrade, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're not a GM dealer anymore. And I actually went out and got another Hyundai because the service was so great there and the the levels of service in the service department that I built this relationship with those people behind the service counter. And it became more important to me to keep those relationships than to keep the brand. So whatever you did there, you did well because you didn't lose me as like the brand didn't matter. I thought the brand mattered, but the brand actually didn't matter. It was the relationship that mattered. And And, and and that wasn't me. That was the amazing team that I had that I got to work with every day, like just the best people ever. But anyway, long story short, 2017, I went into my dad and I said some, well, a not very nice word. And it, it was basically sell the because I was done. (laughs) Every night I would come home, I would complain to my partner, Dave, and I was never in a good mood. And I I was just tired of not being happy. Yeah. So you know what, if you're not happy, do something about it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Take an action step. It takes about a year and a half to sell a big company. It doesn't happen overnight. There's a lot of things that you have to do to get ready and then finding somebody and then negotiation. And anyway, it's a long process. And in the fall of 2018, I retired and I put out a message to Facebook, thanking my team, thanking all the people I'd worked with, whatever. And a friend of mine that I had gone to school with in Ontario at the automotive school, she saw it and she messaged me and said, we need you. And uh, yeah, and at the time I was like, yeah, whatever. I've worked my butt off 60, 70 hours a week. I'm done for a while. Like I'm toast. And and I was very thankful because in that time, one of my friends had terminal cancer and I got to spend some time with her. And then my mother-in-law got diagnosed two months after my friend had passed. And I got to spend a lot of time with her as well. And so that was a a couple of months. And I got to go backpacking in Thailand with my niece. Wow. And yeah, yeah, I got to to go to Italy and uh, I did some really great things. But then I was like, I was bored. Yeah. So So, you got that space for yourself. (laughs) You did all the stuff that that you really needed to do. You recharged your battery and then you're like, okay, what's next? What now? And I thought about writing, but honestly, I'm better at talking than I am at writing. I thought, you know what, let's go and let's find out about the school. And I actually had to hound them to hire me. So the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And so they did. And that was almost uh, two, it'll be two years in June that I started with them. And it's just been, I, I absolutely love it. It's fantastic. 
So. so it was a good, it was a good pivot for you. And I love that yeah. when it's, we talked about that, it's this yeah. in other shows, but it, it's that old preparation meets opportunity. You had all this preparation leading up to it. You had no idea this opportunity was even around the corner, but then when it's there, you're ready to jump on it and, and go, let's go, let's do this now. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's very cool to hear. I do sometimes that when I'm teaching, I'm going like, they're asking me this stuff. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm, I can't be this old to be teaching this, but apparently I am. That's funny. Yeah. So, so it's an, obviously it's in Ontario. You're in BC. Has the program always been distance online virtual or did it change through COVID? Did you, were you originally have to go back East? What did that whole logistics look like? Yeah. So normally I'm traveling all across the country. Basically each course is seven weeks long and we spend three days in person together out of that seven weeks. And then the rest of it is all online. Okay. So it's just, we've, it was an easy switch, although it's obviously, it's way better in person. You learn so much more when you're going for beers and dinner afterwards, even. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So, and so obviously it hasn't changed dramatically for you with COVID, but what's been the, what's been the pivot? Have you had to do a pivot in your teaching or? Really? The teaching online and learning how to wrangle one time, one cohort, I had 29 people and (laughs) learning how to involve those people in the conversation, because that's really where we learn is when we learn from each other, not just from me droning on and on. So that was the big thing was just learning how to wrangle or or farm cats, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So how, (laughs) what, so how do you use breakout rooms? Do you put them in like groups? What have you done to facilitate that interaction between students? We do use a lot of breakout rooms and we did that originally in class. We would have, we would break out for 15 minutes, work on this assignment and then come back and report. And uh, we do the same thing online. And also I'll actually go and and ask people, what do you do in this situation? Has anybody got a story they want to share? And it's not all me talking. Yeah. And we do, we learn from stories. Stories are for me as a speaker, anyways, in my speaker role, not as a podcast host, I am always looking to replay a story from my head because people, when they hear a story, they can see it in their mind. They're playing this movie reel. They connect with it. They feel the emotion and then they remember it, right? If you think back to any memory you have, there's always an emotion connected to it. And usually in stories, there's that emotion too. And it's this little key that just locks that into your memory bank and to get students to share their own stories and to hear them is just a fantastic way to to encourage that kind of interaction and and just really solidify those concepts. Let's just back up a little bit because I jumped ahead (laughs) a little bit, but we all know you as Super Sue Finneran. Like I just, when I think of Sue Finneran, I think of the cape and the Super Sue. So what made you think it's a brilliant marketing strategy, great personal branding. Where did you come up with this? So I was working with a company out of Florida that were a marketing company, obviously, for dealerships. And we would meet there quarterly and get pumped up about our marketing and all that sort of thing. And they had a caricature artist come in and draw pictures of all of us as superheroes for a one-month promotion. And it was super sue and alliteration, obviously, in marketing is always a brilliant thing. And it just stuck. And I I would literally, it it doesn't happen very much anymore, but I would walk across the street and Courtney and people go, hey, super sue. That's awesome. 
now I just, my friends on the golf course call me super. I have it on my golf balls. My partner, Dave calls me super. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. I even see it on your zoom uh, profile here when you logged in. I'm like, Oh, super Sue's here. (laughs) That's great. I I thought it was too good to go to waste, right? No, (laughs) you want to keep that going. Say, and I've got mortgage Monica. It's that same alliteration, right? Nowhere near as amazing as super Sue, but uh, (laughs) it it does. It, It definitely sticks in your brain for sure. For other people that are maybe just starting out in business or trying to create their own personal brand, do you have any advice for them about that? I think it you need to figure out what your value set is mm-hmm. because I truly believe in honesty and, and morals in marketing. And for me, I have some health issues that I've overcome. And that super, for me, it's believe in your own superhero. Sometimes I have to dig deep and dig into my own superhero. And that is, and and super Sue, I would talk about her like she was her own person. (laughs) Which she is. Yeah, yeah. It's a little other part of yourself. (laughs) So you're someone that's been really involved in your community over the years. Chamber of Commerce, I think, Rotary, all kinds of stuff. Are you still doing that through COVID makes it hard to do? Are you able to do that? And what is your advice maybe to people that are starting out and they want to get involved in their community and they don't know where to start? What would you tell them about that process? First off, Rotary has been a big thing for me. I've been a Rotarian uh, for 26 years. And uh, yes, I was 12 when I started. (laughs) You guys can't see me, of course, because this is a podcast. But if you saw me, you totally know. (laughs) <laughs> I was pretty young to start out my Rotary. My dad had been a Rotarian yeah. and we called his club Jurassic Park. Our club was the kids club because oh, we all, all did. Yeah. <laughs> but now I look around my Rotary club and I've been there for 26 years and I go, oh gosh, it's Jurassic too. <laughs> but Rotary, I cannot stress enough. We have five Rotary clubs in the Comox Valley and there is a fit for everybody out there. And there's a younger crew that don't meet as often. There's a Rotary club in Cumberland. There's two in Courtney and one in Comox. And uh, there is a great place. The Chamber of Commerce is also a great place. If you're not a member of the Chamber and you're a business person, I highly recommend it. They have all sorts of different programs and things to help you out in business. And I think it's good to support your own community. And that's, for me, my community gave a lot to me. Without a community, without customers, I have nothing. And so my philosophy has always been that you need to give back to that community that gives to you. A hundred percent. And yeah, you get yeah. what you give. And a lot of people think networking is walking around, handing out cards, shaking people's hand, but it's not. It's about helping other people amplify their own business, sharing, being involved. And then that all just flows back to you. It's just this beautiful give and take. Yeah. And you know what? You you can't believe the amount of things. You need something. The people that are out there for you too. My vet was in my Rotary Club and dentists, doctors, whatever. It's, yeah. it's pretty amazing. So. It's really, it's all relationships. And yeah. I every single day, I'm amazed at the amount of times that I call on one of those relationships, not even for a favor, but it's just that I end up picking up the phone and I call someone that's in one of those groups because there's a question I have or there's someone I can connect them to. or It's just like this little spider web where we're all interwoven together in this beautiful tapestry of just really great relationships. And it's a beautiful, it's really, it's like a you have the village to raise a child. Well, you have a village for adults too. And we all need to be part of that village. And the beauty of Rotary is that anywhere in the world, 
pretty much there's a Rotary Club. So I've actually been to a Rotary meeting in South Africa. I've been to one in Fiji, England, Germany, and wherever you travel, you can go to a meeting and meet people and then they can recommend all these great places that you need to go and see and nice. things you need to experience. Yeah, nice. it's, it's great. And also uh, it's a one-stop shop. So you're giving locally and you're, you can also give globally. And I, I just truly believe very yeah. strongly. That's <laughs> good to that hear. Rotary's <laughs> actually been on my list of, of things that I really want to do. I, I'm involved in Toastmasters, Chamber of Commerce, <laughs> Women's Business Network, all that stuff. But Rotary is one that I haven't quite done yet. And it's it was my mission this year to find a Rotary group. And with COVID, it's been harder to do. But yeah. it's definitely on my list for this year. I've never heard a Rotary member with anything but amazing things to say about that experience. So it's definitely well, universally a, a very When we positive. get back to... Uh, meeting in person. I'll have you out. My club is a morning club that we do meet at 7 a.m. Which oh, oh <laughs> yeah, that might be a tough one. I like the lunch hour, the evening ones, but definitely, definitely <laughs> sounds like an awesome group for sure. So moving, just moving on for a minute. So your motto, and I love it, is people are a number one resource. Without a great team to work with, you have nothing, right? It's that teamwork is, is dream work. So how do you, maybe less so now as a teacher, how do you make your team members feel valued, feel like they're part of that team? I I think allowing people to be a part of the decision-making process, knowing that I'm not the smartest person in the room all the time, and letting your team make mistakes, I think is a big one too, knowing it's okay to make mistakes because we all make mistakes. And if we're not making mistakes, we're not trying enough new things. I truly believe that. But just empowering people and treating people as as an equal, no matter if it's the person that, in my instance, the person that's out washing the car, or if it's a salesperson or my accountant or whatever, it's, yeah. And from a hiring perspective, like for me, I've always thought I'd rather hire someone that'll fit in with the team that's coachable, that's that's got all these qualities rather than necessarily check all my skill boxes. Do you do the same thing? Or what do you look at when you're hiring someone and you want them to fit into this pretty, probably a very diverse team, right? Yeah. Now I was always looking for that fit. Sometimes it's good to bring somebody into the mix that is a little, that's not a fit because sometimes we need our feathers ruffled a little bit to make a change. But really that was why I, what I hired for exactly the same. I was looking for who would fit on my team. Who's going to work well with my team. Who's going to take my team to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're right. Maybe sometimes you need someone that's going to just push a few buttons because <laughs> you do grow sometimes when you have to deal with those challenges. If everything's all rainbows and unicorns every day and there's no no challenge, no pushback, you get a little complacent. And sometimes just learning to adjust to a new personality has that, that little growth curve, that discomfort and some pain points, but you get over that and you actually learn a lot about yourself and, and you actually become a stronger team sometimes by working through those things. Yeah. The worst person I ever worked with, he was a sociopath. And I don't know if you've ever worked with one. If you have, you would know. But I actually learned more from him than anybody else I've ever worked with. Yeah. And I, and I, I quit my job three times in, in a two and a half year wow. time <laughs> because wow. of him. Yeah. But, yeah. but um, like I said, I learned a lot. I yeah. bet you did. Yeah. I bet you did. I was talking about this with my daughter the other day. She's just going, not a challenge, but a conversation was that sometimes the biggest gifts come actually wrapped in barbed wire. If you can get through the barbed wire, there's actually a gift in there. But at the time that you're dealing with it, it does not seem like a gift at all. But when you look back five years later, you're like, wow, that really helped me as a person to go through that experience, right? So, Oh, yeah. And especially when you're young, because yeah. everything seems like it's so much more drastic or time just seems to 
be so short. Whereas when we get older, we're like, I can wait a couple of days to make that decision. Totally. And you look back and you're like, that was a huge thing five years ago, but it's not even a thing now. So is this even going to be a thing five years from now? I often put things in that perspective. Is this issue that's blowing up my whole day? Is this going to be a thing a year? No, this, I'm not even going to remember this. So just take a breath and it's all going to be good. Don't worry about it. So I do have to have that conversation with myself sometimes. So that's great advice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What's question I've asked everyone? We've talked about what some of the challenges have been through COVID, which sounds like for you and your work haven't been dramatic. What about in your personal life? Has has COVID presented any challenges for you? And then the flip side of that, the silver lining, have you picked up a new habit or is there something that's come out of it that's been a positive for you? I have taught spin for years and years is what I did. Oh, wow. um, okay. It was my stress relief. It was my, so every uh, Tuesday and Thursday for the last 20 something years at 530, I teach spin at Fitness Excellence. And of course, COVID has uh, not allowed me to do that since uh, we haven't taught or I haven't taught since November, I think it is. And that, and fitness has been a really big thing for me. One bad thing about COVID for me is that I now am in need of a hip replacement. Uh, And just to go through the medical process at this time is mm -hmm. easy thing so <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 that's been my my downside is having to deal with our yeah our medical world in COVID yeah times. yeah definitely yeah. learning a lot of patients and I'm, I've actually got a physician on the show in a couple of weeks to talk about how that's affecting health professionals too but I know my last appointment I was like okay, I'm really sorry but I haven't talked to you in a year so I have 10 things on my, list, my list but but I made two appointments and she's oh thank you so much for making two appointments because she said at the beginning of COVID it was so awesome Every appointment is a phone appointment. We ding right through it. Boom, on to the next one. She's But now everyone's bringing like this shopping list to every appointment and everyone's going over and then I'm late and the next person's upset because I'm late and it's just like this hole that I can never dig my way out of. They're feeling it on that end too. But definitely as a patient, same thing. I've been waiting for my son to have a surgery for two years and, and it's just constantly delays. So hopefully we'll all push through this and you'll get your surgery soon. And, yeah. Uh, but silver lining, has there been something good that's come out of this for you? Yeah, no, I'm not a patient person. Anybody that yeah. knows me knows that. So yeah. I, I don't even know if I'm learning it. Yeah, so no. you're excited <laughs> to get out of this then. You're not one of those people that's, I can I can hibernate for another six months. You're ready to get out and interact. No, and, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right now. Last question I ask everyone, if you could go back in time and talk to 10-year-old Super Sue there, what would you tell her? Would you have some advice for her? I would say don't work too much. And the reason that I would say that is, and everybody is replaceable. And I keep that in mind always. You're always replaceable, no matter how important you think you are. But take the holiday time, work reasonable hours. I worked 70 hours a week for about eight years and didn't take a holiday. Yeah. I lost a marriage because of it. And yeah, so when I'm, when I'm teaching my class, I always try to make sure that they all know that they need to take their time too. And, and don't skip out on a holiday. Don't think you need to be there seven days a week. Take some me time. Yeah, yeah. And spend time with your family. Enjoy your kids. Like enjoy the people around you. Yeah, yeah. And you you don't ever get that time back. So that's really great advice, especially for young people that are just heading into their careers that are all gung ho. And I'm gonna work really hard to just remember to stop and spend the time with the people that matter. But don't stop working because I think some young people today think that it's all about work life balance, which it is. Yeah. 
But you still got to work your butt off in the beginning. You still got to work hard. Yeah. But you got to do it within reason. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I hear, I totally hear you mean the crazy woman that also has had three businesses at the same time and kids and everything. And I, I think sometimes I put people that are important on the back burner when you really should have been putting them first and just carving out a little more time for loved ones. Hindsight is 2020, but going forward, that's great advice. So work hard, but make time for you for sure. Yeah. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank Do you have you. any last words you'd like to add or anything you want to share before we wrap up? Or you had great questions. And uh, yeah, just if I, you know what I will share, if anybody ever wants some advice or some help, yeah. I'm always happy to give it and uh, to share my knowledge and experience. You can reach it out to me on LinkedIn. Just pop me a message. Okay, wonderful. And I'm going to have those links in the show notes as well. So anyone that wants to find Sue can find that in the show notes. And that's fantastic. Thank you, Sue. That's it for this week. To get more information on any of my guests, sponsor an episode, or to book me as a speaker for your next event, please visit jugglingwithoutballs.ca. I'm also always on the lookout for interesting guests who juggle it all. So please feel free to send me your suggestions. Please rate, review, and follow at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's a wrap. See you next week, jugglers.